Hello everybody and welcome back to the Everything Road to Racing podcast. This is now episode 8 and I am joined once again by Jacob Ward. Good evening guys. And Keelan McNamara. Hello everybody, how is it going? Welcome back. Now, I've got to be honest, afraid from the get-go, I am very tired. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> this is going to be interesting. <laughs> no, I mean, literally, like, I was falling asleep at the end of episode seven. I don't know if you've realised. <laughs> <laughs> so, today, I am dosed up on caffeine. I've literally got a cup of coffee right here. So, fingers crossed, <laughs> I'll make it through. Uh, we end that boring. Well, I mean... Well, yeah. allegedly, but... Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, he says. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I plead the fifth. Yeah, it's, it's all the energy, you know, from chanting about MotoGP and, you know, celebrating it today that now I'm like, oh, I'm all drained now, you know? Oh, I, I'm, I'm getting up at nine o'clock for MotoE and then turning out that there was no MotoE at nine o'clock. You got up at nine o'clock? <laughs> yeah, it was supposed to be 9.05 before Vietti wrecked the event, so... Well, you know, I got up at, what, seven o'clock to do all the warm-ups, so, you know... Get on my level, bro. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Come uh, on. Yeah, see, see, see. But uh, yeah, we've had uh, an interesting, obviously, day of racing where I can't even remember most of it now. It's all a bit of a blur after the That's not good results. for a podcast about the racing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying, I'm relying on you two to back me up here, right? <laughs> what are we doing? Leave me alone. <laughs> but yeah, we've... But, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I mean, it was... Like, I, I, I really enjoyed the... Uh, like, like Jerez, on the whole, doesn't tend to produce brilliant racing. No. But it always produces interesting races. Yeah, there's always, yeah. like, one or two things that you can talk about after the race that you're like, you know, that'll go down yeah. in the history books, if that makes sense. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And I think today was one of them. Yeah, uh, across the board, really. I mean, from, obviously, Pedro Acosta taking another race win in Moto3 to, yeah, I, obviously... So obviously then Mendel. Fabio Digi has incredibly emotional Moto2 race win. And then mm-hmm. finally, Jack Miller taking a race win in MotoGP at last. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, finally a dry race win for him, I guess. Yeah. He's threatened it for about three years, though, hasn't he? And it's just yeah. never come about. I know. I, it's a shame because I really wanted to see him do it with Pramac. But I don't even care at this point. You know, He's got the win now. Just finally. get it done. But yeah, um, I that. think he's going to be very happy tonight. You know, yeah. He's going to go home. He's going to he's going to literally just jump into his bed and he's going to be going to be dancing himself to sleep. Like yeah, and then he gets to wake up and do testing tomorrow. Hey, oh, what's that? what a hard life he lives. <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. Just, like, wake up tomorrow and ride motorbikes all day for a living. Oh, <laughs> oh no, poor lamb. I could not think of anything worse. Yeah. I'd rather go work at McDonald's or something. Yeah, I'd much rather do a nine to five. You know, twenty days a year <laughs> off holiday. You know, and then oh, yeah. Oh, Miller, uh, we should start a GoFundMe for him. <laughs> yes, that's a good idea. We'll start uh, send, making a CV for him and send it out to all these places. So you know, we can get him get him working at <laughs> nine to five. You know, <laughs> it's it's a tough life to be Jack Miller. Qualifications, you know? first race win in four years. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> Like, what can I do with this? Like, how how does reigning races equate to flipping burgers? Well, <laughs> I'll want... be fastest. Yeah, I've got good <laughs> risk control, I guess, maybe. I'm like Fabio today. Yeah, oh gosh, yeah. Oh. Fabio. What a nightmare. 
for Fabio Quartararo. Yeah, we cannot do that properly, but uh, yeah, I, I, I do feel for him. Oh, oh yeah, gutted for the kid, gutted. Like that was a easy. That was probably one of the easiest race wins he ever had. It was on a plate, and then mm. after ten laps, you know, we all fell apart, and that's not his fault either. But yeah, so uh, I think if I was him, I'd be looking for a refund from Doctor Mia. So <laughs> he did. Well, yeah, you and Mark Marquez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do a group deal for the pattern. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Like to come back with some gift cards from Dr. Mir for our bomb surgery. Your boys got scammed. Free face lift. You know they'll be using that one every week. Oh, oh god. No. <laughs> oh god. Oh dear. This has gone downhill very quickly. In the first three minutes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We've got to, got to ah, get well, in the week. Could be worse. <laughs> could be worse. You could be banned for doping. Oh, exactly. Exactly. But, yeah. I mean, at least Axel Pond's quit and then went modelling instead of getting done and then went modelling. You know what I mean? Yeah, like Axel Pond's quit because he was slow. Whoa, 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 no, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got Axel nice Pond's face. is a beautiful man and I will not take any of this stuff against him. <laughs> He's a very attractive man, <laughs> that's undeniable. But he also posts a lot of weird stuff to his social medias. I think I ended up unfollowing him because I was like, what is this? Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he's very modly now, isn't he? Yeah, which is fine. Like, oh, God, did any of you see that um, thing that Dorna posted of Fabio Cotteraro? Oh, the Fabio Tolls, oh, <laughs> What was that? Oh, Jesus. All he needed in the background was um, Avatar, The Last Airbender. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, yes. It was very uh, Jorge Lorenzo-esque, you know, for back when he was in the 250s. And he did oh, a photo yeah. shoot very much similar to that. But yeah. Yeah, well, they both loved themselves, didn't they? So it fitted. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say Fabio was as bad as Lorenzo, but it was very oh, strange. Yeah. George loved himself. Just just a bit, you know. Like, Still does. Yeah, not as bad <laughs> these days. He likes food a bit more. Oh, <laughs> Jesus <no>. Christ. <laughs> You can tell them twice. Wow. How many people wow. have we called right in five minutes? Man, if I ever see them in the paddock, I am dead. Get <laughs> <laughs> your own up and run away. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Lorenzo follows me, so please don't listen to this, Lorenzo. And if you do, I'm being nice. I promise I really like you. But we I'm love 99 there. seconds. Yeah, I do actually, genuinely. But It is actually really yeah. good, you know. There's, he's well, he, he, he talked on things as he write, as he wrote. He's very analytical, very professional. Yeah. He's very good at that stuff, but, you know, he likes his food. I, um, oh, did any of you see the prank that the, the Italian people did on him? Yes. Oh, that my God. His face. Yeah, like, so if anybody who doesn't realise or know what on earth we're going on about, because it was Italian, so it wasn't massively publicised, but basically he's got this, obviously, this Lamborghini with a 63 on it, and okay. it's one of 63. Lamborghini only made 63 of these cars. And Lorenzo no. took it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. Correct, believe it or not. What a coincidence. What? <laughs> but, oh, no. Yeah. And Lorenzo basically took it in, I don't know, for a service, this garage or whatever. And these guys pranked him saying that, you know, it's been stolen. And so he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. went down. You know, he was going mental in his house. Went down to the oh, garage. He was not happy. Yeah. And it's not there. And so then they show him the CCTV, this geezer coming in, grabbing his car and driving off. And so then really Lorenzo is like flipping out in this garage, like, no, my car, you know. And then they go in a step further 
and they get this girl who she basically goes on her Instagram and starts posting pictures of his car, driving around his car, her feet up on like the dash, you know. And, oh god! Like posing, with and they him. show him. Yeah, and they show him like what looking at it, and he's he's going. And you know that his face as soon as he's shown that folk, that the Instagram posts. It's just I'm pretty drains. sure after that, yeah, after that Twitter spat, I'm sure Carl Cutchler got framed on his wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yes, he probably did. Yeah, uh, but like, so he's going mental at this point. Like he's screaming, he's kicking things, he's destroying things. And then they manage to track her down to his hotel. And so she's in the lobby, and he goes in and goes, that's my car, that's my car. And he's like, I'm Jorge Lorenzo, I'm five-time MotoGP champion, you know who I am. And she's like, no, no idea. Yeah, it's that bit in all of the car, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I was like, ooh, flipping heck. But then... Um, yeah, they, they took it to a, a oh, level. But... Like, unbelievable level. <sighs> and then they go and yeah. ends up, I won't, like, spoil it for you, but he ends up getting locked in a hotel room, and then he's just screaming and shouting, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a very angry man in that, but yeah. I think it is like he comes off as justifiably angry. I think. Oh yeah, if you had your like what nearly, I think they said it was eight hundred million, no eight hundred thousand dollars, the car. Yeah, it was euros, yeah, something like that. You know, he's used that line before as well. You know who I am, mm. five-time world champion. Do you know who I am? I am what do you mean a... I got a queue for a food? <laughs> <laughs> you know who I am? <laughs> Just get oh to his Wikipedia. God. Look how many wins I've got on my Wikipedia. <laughs> not like Alicia Spargro. <laughs> oh, no. That's not a dig at Alicia. That's Lorenzo posted a tweet about Alicia. So. Yeah, I know. That's going to change soon, though. Yes, I think yes. it will. I think it will. But, yeah, we've gone majorly off topic here, but whatever. Is there anybody else like you want to rip now? Uh, you? We've kind of gone through most of the paddock already. Yeah, I'm just trying to think now. Um, <laughs> my <laughs> reputation is just going down the toilet as it is. So. You've already committed, though. You might as well finish it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. About that, yeah. I mean, Alex Marcus can't keep on two wheels. Peter Rabat was probably not the best replacement they could have come up with. It's all right. They've got that um, Avintia guy. I've already said this last time. So we feel like Christopher Paul <laughs> Pollison. Who was better? Yeah. Right. Well, he did end up finishing closer, yeah. Yeah, they'll just get, you know, John McPhee on it. I'm sure he can do a better job. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. I'm going to stop that. No, that, 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 that's later for me, that is. Yeah, yeah that's just going to get you riled. We all right know how I feel about, about McPhee at this point, and uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll let you have your stage in a bit, but yeah. I just want to clarify for anybody who actually thinks I'm being serious. I'm, I'm not being yeah, serious. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> please take this a pinch of salt. Don't cancel me. Don't be like, oh, they hate these riders. It's a joke. Yeah, right? It's a joke. <laughs> it's All a joke. in good fun. Because you know how sensitive some people are these days on social media. Oh, my word. So, yeah. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been torn apart for actually being a Jorge Lorenzo fan for multiple years. So, yeah. yeah. It's fair. It's just it was not me, it. just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I take responsibility, but I also t- I-, I am joking. But if I go down, you're coming with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm dragging your name through the mud as well. If I'm being cancelled, I'm dragging you all to the cancelled realm as well. Exactly. Yeah, we can join. I don't know who can we join. Um, you know me. Yeah, we can join. You know me. Yeah, that's about it. Probably. To be fair, I still I do like Anthony it. West. Um, we can join Romano Fanati, you know, that, that realm. You say yeah, that, he yeah, really finished today. Yeah, he did all right today, but he was still cancelled <laughs> pretty horrifically. Yeah, true. Yeah. But yeah, we're yeah, going to move yeah. on from this. 
Whatever Massive this is. tangent. <laughs> it's all right. I'm sure people are interested to know how Jorge Lorenzo was pranked. Okay. We're going to be sued worse than Eminem after this. Oh, no, it's going to be nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so we've obviously enjoyed some good racing today. And there's also been a, a lot of crashes this weekend. You know, we've seen, for some reason, Turn 7 turn into a crash hotspot, considering Turn 7 is not a crash hotspot ever. You know, yeah. it's very rare you see riders crash at Turn 7. And I'll, we've got Darren Binder obviously cartwheeling through that there. You've got not... Jake Dixon getting a concussion through there. Mark smashing into the barriers. Paul Spargo yeah. crashing there. Yeah. Vietti holding up the Moto E race because of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was a massive, massive crash that Vietti did. I, yeah. I just, they all, they all seemed to go early. I noticed, like there was not, uh, they were very much at the tipping in point, never at the apex where they went down. Yeah, yeah. which meant that it was just a big, big incident every single time. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't like it was just a, um, you know, like a they expected it because they were pushing a bit too hard. They just, just kind of went out from underneath them, really. Was but, Gabriel yeah. Rodrigo's high side at turn seven too, or was that turn four? Does I it... want to say turn six. I want to say seven too. Right. Yeah, because that was be... yeah, massive too. Let's go on the social. Yeah, it was. It was T seven. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Was it? God. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That was a monumental high side. That that was one of the biggest high sides you've ever seen. Especially I was from just the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Typical. Like Gabriel. I love Gabriel. I think he's a very very fast rider, but. My God, like, come on, mate. Yeah. But the thing is, you don't really see high sides on Moto3 bikes. You know, it's very rare. Yeah. yeah so, no. <laughs> Unless it's Cabri. <laughs> Unless Cabri Rodrigo's riding it. And then it's just ping. Yeah, yeah, it was T7, yeah. Most riders tend to, like, have percentages of throttle. He just has a light switch. Yeah, he just goes, yeah, all or nothing, you know. <laughs> yeah, it literally is either on or off. Like, yeah. There's, there's no in-between. and Yeah. It's just mental. Yeah, I just I went. Um, I've just literally just watched it again, and yeah, flipping it, man. That wick yeah, is, is landing. Oh, horrible, man. But yeah, AGV are going to be paying for a new helmet there. <laughs> you can see the fin come off on the back of it. Oh, can you? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's bright yellow. You can't really miss it if you're actually looking for it. Um, yeah, he slams I, an impact. Yeah, yeah, and the the actual like fin on the back just comes flying off. Mm. He's like basically on the floor then, like, prone almost, but, like, about to land with the airbag going off. He looks like the Hulk about to transform. <laughs> Great, okay. Yeah. What a comparison. Yeah, a... yeah nice <laughs> like, you know, like You know, like, the Hulk just before he's about to transform and he, like, tenses up and, like, gets really chunky? Yeah, yeah, That's exactly what he looks like. When you go and look back, you'll see it. Yeah. But yeah All it's... he needs now is to turn green and uh, pretty much it. Yeah, well, he can go and ride for CIP, and then I'm sure he'll be fine. His career will literally we'll be Petrodesk. over. But... Yeah. yeah, he could go to Petrodesk, because obviously there's going to be a ride there soon. <laughs> oh, oh. flippin' egg. <laughs> oh, Just say Oh, dear, yeah. So John McPhee did... No boundaries. No. <laughs> John McPhee did crash on lap one. But, yeah, I mean... A high side again. Yes, indeed. But, yeah, so we saw to try and get back on track somewhat <laughs> we saw Marquez and Polo Spargo obviously crash twice apiece and mm. Marquez seems to be getting a bit more annoyed at Honda you know he's come back to yes. Honda and it's still the same bike that he was last year and in 2019 when it was barely rideable and he's coming yeah. back and it's still 
for lack of a better word, crap. You know, it's still uh. <laughs> it's still one of the worst performing bikes on the grid. Yes, Nakagami got fourth today on it, but it's still and that was because he tried the 2019 chassis. So yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I was about to lead into that. Was he wasn't on the current bike? Yeah, so we brought he, he tested for 2021 last year at Mazzano and liked it. Now that they've given him a full 2020 bike, he doesn't like it. He's gone back to 2019, which shows that they've gone backwards in development. Or I wouldn't say backwards. I'd say incorrect. Yeah, well, in development. Yeah, yeah. So they 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 uh they never had a good front end anyway. No, but like so, you know, some like I, I mean, if I was Honda, yeah, I would just be thinking at this point, whatever it takes, throw the money at Mark, keep him. Yeah, just but well, you can't deny it. Well, they put a hundred million into it, haven't they? Yeah, and you've got to say worth every penny. If we're honest, yeah, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, nobody else has done what he did on a Honda. Exactly. I think once he can get back up to where he is and can change the bike back to how he likes it, I think he'll be back up there. But what I want to think and put to you guys in question is can Mark Marquez and would Mark Marquez win a MotoGP title at full fitness on a Ducati? Mark Marquez would win a MotoGP title on a Kalex. <laughs> I, I don't think he's wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to expand on that? Or? <laughs> he could, I think, you know, genuinely, I think Mark Marquez could win a MotoGP race on a Moto2 bike. <laughs> and I'm not even joking when I say that. That's we a big all shot, know though. a fully, fully fit Mark. And like, if we're talking Marquez pre-crash, mm. He was, I'd say he rode at 70% every race. When he needed to, he had so much in hand that he could just step it up a level that nobody could even touch. Like a podium every single time, apart from Kota, where obviously it was a bike issue, not a mark issue, Mm. that took him out. You've got to say that there's nothing he couldn't win on in the MotoGP class. I mean, I would say that's a Moto2 bike. I think that's a bit of Yeah, a, I, I mean, I, I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I'm being a little bit facetious. Just there, a but... bit. <laughs> like so are you, saying, are you saying that, say, let's just take, for example, 2017 Marquez could win on any bike in the grid? I'm saying Mark Marquez from 2013 could win on any bike on the grid. Okay. Interesting shout, Jeb. I mean, the thing is with the Ducati, I absolutely think Mark could, you know, the power of the Ducati speaks for itself. It's Mm -hmm. a NASA rocket on two wheels. Um, And the thing is as well, Mark's kind of proven he doesn't really need a bike that turns great or that's agile because he does all of that work himself anyway. He likes wrestling a bike around the corners and through the hairpins. So I think if you give him extra power, he's only going to be even quicker with it anyway. Yeah. I think the bike he would struggle on the most would be the Yam. Yes. Yeah, it's too smooth for Or the Suzuki. I, yeah. I think he'd try and wrestle it and find that it's already turning in for him. <laughs> but he would expect the Honda to not turn in and suddenly he's literally yeah. on the inside of the apex and he's like, oh, did this happen? Yeah, like, well, it's like a Paul Spargo Yamaha situation, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we discussed it, didn't we, uh, yeah. with the Spargo brothers and Mark and Paul are very similar. But I think... Mark is that extra level above anybody that he could win on the Yam. Yeah. But it would be the most difficult for him to win on. Oh, yeah, it would yeah. be easier. But, like, you've got to think as well. I think 
Marquez is obviously a step above everybody, but in the last year, because whilst Marquez has been off, everybody has made a massive step. Like, I don't know if Marquez... You think they have made a massive step, though? Seriously? I think they have. I think they have. I well. disagree. I think everybody just looks better because Mark wasn't making them look good. I think, look worse. I think you you're right on a some point, but riders like Francesco Bangnaia and Franco Morbidelli are in another league at this moment in time. I was I think say that's Morbidelli. natural progression. Yeah. As opposed to th- like they would be there with or without Mark. I don't think they've stepped it up any more because Mark's not there. I think I actually that- disagree. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you why really quickly. Um, I think this last year, the Mark's been out. You've seen a lot of young guys like Banyaya and Morbidelli, as Declan just said. You've seen these guys who, when Mark was fully fit, I think Mark almost acts as a boogeyman that people are too scared to try and unlock their full potential against. And I think without him on the grid, these guys have tapped into their natural ability much more confidently and they've almost ridden with that freedom and that they can truly kick it up to their maximum. So I think they actually have gotten better and I think Mark's going to find it. Obviously, Mark's nowhere near full fitness yet, but when he is, I think he will have much more competition when he's 100%. Yeah, I, 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 I think they would... But I think, like you say, you know, they have improved. I think it's a natural progression that they would have done anyway. Like they're both Moto Two champions, Pego and Morbidelli. Um, you know, they're no mugs. They, I don't think they need Marquez not gone in order to unlock their true pace. I think it would come regardless. Yeah. But it helped enormously. Yeah, I think with them. They, it would have come eventually anyway. But I think they've progressed further than they, what they would have because of Marquez not being there. And, like, you have Fabio Cotteraro as well, who couldn't beat Mark Marquez in a straight battle as a rookie, who now has five MotoGP race wins under his belt and is twice the rider he was in 2019. Now, I genuinely think, if anybody now on that is grid... He, again, is he, though? Yes, absolutely is. Absolutely. Fabio Cotteraro, now, with his, obviously, his mental problems have been sorted out, if he can sort this arm pump out issue as well... Mark, Fabio Cotteraro will be a thorn in Mark Marquez's side, as will see. Yeah, I Miller, agree with that. Francesco Morbidelli, Francesco Bagnaia, sorry, you know, all these riders yeah, but... will be a massive, massive issue for Mark Marquez, and Marquez will not dominate as he did. I, I think the problem there is the only thing Mark going away did was actually give them confidence. It yeah. didn't actually improve them in any way. I think the confidence allowed them to improve. Yeah, I do too as well. I I don't think there's like personally, like I don't think there's a correlation. I think they would be at the level they're at now anyway. You know, yeah. Peko, we all knew was a straight quality rider. There was nothing that Peko couldn't do on that on that bike once he got into his rhythm. So, if if you're going into every race weekend with the boogeyman of the grid and you know he's going to win every race, that's going to completely demoralize you and sap your confidence as a rider. Last year, no one had that fear. That's my thing. I don't think the top, top riders have their mentality. I think the top, top riders use it as motivation and think, right, I'm going to come into this weekend and I'm going to beat Mark because... Top top riders have to have that winning mentality. You don't win titles, Moto Two titles, by being 
mentally fragile. And f- for that, that I would disagree. And I would say Pedro would come into every weekend thinking, right, this is the weekend I'm going to beat Mark, not, oh, I wonder if I'm going to come second. It, it, it just wouldn't happen. That's not the mentality they would have. But that's how good Mark is. That's how he makes elite talent feel. And you can look at the results from last year and look at how good those riders are now. That's the correlation you're looking for. I, I, I see where you're coming from. And the confidence, yeah, I'm not disagreeing. It, it didn't help. It didn't help exacerbate the process. But I don't believe Marquez being there or not being there had any effect on how they rode. I mean, I think... it's, it's interesting to find out. I think when Marquez does hit, you know, where he's at, again, in his full fitness, we will be able to tell a lot more. Um, mm. But I genuinely, I think that it will be closer than what it was previously, personally. Yeah, uh, but I think that's due to Marco and backwards, not everybody coming forwards. Mm. But if you look as well real quick, if you look at before Mark's injury and after Mark's injury, the only rider who was really kind of taking it to Mark before his injury was Andrea Davizioso. Now, after Mark's injury, you have three or four young guns who are really going to be gunning for Mark. So not only is there more young competition, in my opinion, there's better young competition too. Mm. Yeah, father time's coming for Mark and he's only 27, right? And you got to remember, Mark's body's already taken a hell of a battering, even though he is only 27 or 28 too. Yeah, I mean, if you look at all the tracks, though, from, say, 2019, Mark has set lap records on these tracks, left, right, and center. And now in 2020 and 2019, all these lap records have been destroyed. You know, look at Qatar. Mark Marquez's lap record is gone, obliterated yeah. by Jack Miller, even in testing. You know, these riders are and much quicker than Mark Marquez was when he was in 2019. Yeah, that's my point. They, it's natural progression, not mm. anything to do with Mark as a, as a as an entity. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that they've caught up to Marquez now. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I don't think him being injured had anything to do with it. I think if he'd been there or not, they mm. would be at that level and would have caught him. No, I think him not being there allowed them to focus on their confidence much more, and that's what's led them to this level now. Yeah. So, I mean... How would Mark Marcus's speed adapt to the Ducati? You know, how would the Ducati benefit oh, Mark Ducati, Aprilia, and KDM? He'd be fine. V four, yeah. Back in Broncos, he'd be fine. It'd so, be the inline fours that would ruin him. So, what is it about the Ducati that would suit Mark Marquez well? The, the riding style. You need to hang off it. You need to throw it in. Yeah. Being a being a smooth rider only takes you so far in a Ducati. You look at Pego. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Pego hangs off the side of that bike, and that's the reason it turns. Right, and Miller so, does the same, yeah. and not not to Pego's level, mm. but it turns. And then you look at the old school riders, Dovi, who constant like he, he rode it, and he did manage to get it to turn, but he always complained about how it turned. Yeah, Pego doesn't complain because it works for Pego in his riding style, and yeah. it turns adequately. And so, would that work for Marquez? Do you think? And how? Also, would because Mark. Mark is very much that style of rider in that he rides almost with his core, not his body. Yeah. He's very... He doesn't ride with his hips. Yeah, his centre of gravity is in the same place as Pego, in the same place as Miller. So I see no reason he couldn't adapt to the Ducati. Mm. Okay. And what you've got to remember as well is with the Ducati, coming out of the apex and out of the exit of a corner, 
marks on a bike that's trying to buckaroo him off it pretty much every time he accelerates. With the Ducati, he's got far more and probably more powerful power delivery coming out of the corner too. So his laps would probably be even faster on the Ducati as well. Mm. Yeah. Possibly. But what I would say as a point against that is Mark's Honda never looks like all the other Hondas. It doesn't behave the same way as every other Honda on the grid. Yeah, he's always got because, it shaking and moving about. Yeah, but no, but it it never seems to slide the rear. It's always acceleration. It's always drive. Like you very rarely see him hit the throttle and it pumps. It just goes because it, he makes it work. Yeah, because he squares it off, doesn't he? He goes and, mm. instead of just taking the normal apex. He will basically yeah. go in like a V and. Yeah. Basically, go straight yeah. in, handbrake turn it, and basically turn it on a needle and just fire yeah. it straight forward instead of, you know, going round the corner as you would. Yeah, like, so, so I don't beat. think. Is a so very could... sharp corner entry. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So, due to that, I think uh, the Honda problem of acceleration with all the others isn't an issue for him. Mm. So, I, I'm not sure he would go any quicker on Ducati, but he would certainly be able to match his Honda, I think. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So obviously with Mark Marquez now coming back in, he's kind of you know, he's race by race, he's improving. He took a P seven at Portimao, he took a P nine here at Hereth and said after the race that he felt better than he did at Portimao, which is obviously a positive step forwards. You know, MotoGP now yep. goes to Le Mans. Can we see Mark Marquez do you think we can see him now obviously move up the order? and start to take podiums, or do you think it'll be much later down into the season? Oof, well, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Because <laughs> if, you, if you ask Mark, he would say you could take a podium at Le Mans, I think. But if we be realistic, I think possibly mid-season, you know, like Saxon Ring, Mizano time. Yeah. I'd like to see him take up his 100% Sashin Ring up, um, record, because obviously most of it's left turns anyway. So, yeah. you know, it's less stress on his right. And if Marcus could continue his Saxon Ring record of poles and wins, that'd be flipping awesome. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think... Um, Sorry, go on ahead. Yeah, I think he can. He would be able to do it at about 90% at Saks. Yeah. I think he will be back to something resembling full fitness by then, so I don't think it'll be a problem unless, of course, he ends up nobbling himself before then. But... I don't. I think he's sensible enough, right in within himself at the moment, that he's not going to totally ruin himself. Like I think the Hareth crashes that he said, but especially were more freak accidents than Marquez accidents, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. There's a very narrow line between those two. <laughs> yeah, there. I think Marquez always seems to have controlled crashes, if you will. Like he, he, even though he's down, he's down in a way that. He's almost reacting to the crash as it happens. Whereas yeah. I think he may have lost that right now because obviously he's not at full fitness. He doesn't have that straight reaction to be able to almost protect himself from the crash while the crash is happening. Yeah, that's true. And, and I think the Hareth crash was a, especially the first one, was a very much a, um, a symptom of that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah. yeah Karen, Karen. No, um I think you'll see Mark's first serious podium challenge in Mizano, and I think there's two reasons for this. 
First, I think the following few races will be Mark just building up his fitness again and trying to stay within the top 10, obviously, just for consistent point scoring. So <clears throat> that's obviously the first reason. He needs the consistency and he needs to fully get back into it. Secondly, Mizano's a very level, sort of even track, and that's going to help Mark a lot with his sore arm because there's no like extreme elevation up or down with Mizano. That should help him out a lot, and it should help yeah. him, especially out of the corner, fire off the Honda much easier. So I think you'll see Mark's serious, first serious podium charge in Mizano. See, I'm not sure about that because Mizano's ten rounds from now. It's quite a while away, you know. Are you are you saying okay. that? Asin comes before then. Yeah, I mean, are you saying that you know because um, Mizano rounds nineteenth of September? You know, are you thinking that it's going to take him you know, four months now to get back up to the podium? Be. I'm. I think it now. Of course, I don't know Mark Marquez, and I don't know how quickly he recovers. Yeah. But you know, let's not forget the severity of the injuries oh, dealing yeah. with either. He's had three major arm operations and an infection within that, mm. so he's gonna have to be forgiven for taking a long, long time to get back to the old Mark Marquez. Now, by all means, Mark is an alien on a MotoGP bike. We all know this. And he could very well challenge for a podium before then. I just think we will see the old comfortable Mark Marquez around Mizano time once he's gotten a month or two back under his leathers again. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, it's with Mark, it's a tricky one. But he did say after his crash that his arm is now at 100%. You know, and it is just now muscle and it's fatigue, which is good. You know, because I hope I hope possibly mental truth. strength. Yeah, it's because he said he basically opted for softer tires after the crash because you know he wants to take it a bit easier, he want to take too many risks and stuff, which I get. Um, and obviously, like Jacob just said, it's mental more than anything. Yeah, so, you know, he might be now struggling with mental strength and trying to, you know, find his way back through, get over that barrier because he will have the fear now. There's no doubt in his mind. Even there, a tiny lingering thing in the back of his mind will have the little bit of fear. Mm -hmm. And yeah. he needs to now overcome that and get back to the top. You know, many riders after a big crash will have the fear for a little while. I'm sure Rossi had the fear back in 2010, you know, when he broke his leg. Lorenzo had the Vic fear. Vic which... had the fear for about a year. Yeah, exactly. Lorenzo but he still the... came back and took it, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he, he eventually came back and said, right, I got enough of this dominating me. Title's yeah. mine now. And yeah. he did it. Yeah, it took five titles. Lorenzo got the fear and it ended his career, but he nearly was paralyzed in the process. So yeah, that's, that's true. You know, it's a lot more, you know, you don't want to end up like Wayne Rainey, you know. Yeah, but I think Torge, if Torge had still been on the Yamaha when that happened, I think the fear wouldn't have been half as an issue that it was. I yeah. think it's fear was his out. Yeah, he yeah. Was, he was running around in the back and he the grid and he doesn't. It was it's if he's winning races and he crashes like that, it's worth it because he's winning races. If he's yeah. running around a twentieth and he crashes like that, it's not worth risking your life for. And Jorge never trusted that bike either. I think that was the other big issue with him. Yeah. He was scared every race that it was going to try and paralyze him. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. quite literally, like it's, it's yeah. dark to say, but it's legitimate. I think he genuinely had the fear that if he continued riding the Honda, he would never walk again. Yeah, and you can't happen. blame him for that. No. Yeah, I just hope for Mark's sake personally that he's not proud 
he's not too proud and being willing to admit help if he is hurting. You know, he his arm absolutely could be 100% healthy. I'm never going to question that because I don't know Mark Marquez, unfortunately. But I just hope he's humble enough to admit when he is injured. I hope he's not saying this just to convince himself that he's healthy, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think, I, I think the bone... Yeah, like, oh, I do. I do believe him on the bone side. Yeah, but I think his race fitness is further back than he thought it would be. Absolutely, because yeah. like the commentary say quite a lot. There's a lot of muscles you can't work in the gym. There's no. There's only one way you can practice to ride a MotoGP bike, and that's by riding riding a MotoGP bike. You know, you mm-hmm. can't go to the gym and practice putting four no two G sorry through your wrists as you break at oh. the end of Mugello. You know. There's only one way yeah. you can do that, and that's by running a MotoGP bike. And so for that, he needs to, you know, ride a few more races and stuff and get back into his rhythm, grow the muscle back up to where it was. Because there are all these little tiny little parts of the muscles that he can't train in the gym because it's just not possible to get at that same level of intensity. Yeah, it literally is impossible. Like, yeah. Nothing apart from riding, doing the job replicates a job in any situation. Yeah. Like, whether you're like, working in as so whether you're riding a MotoGP bike, yeah. nothing is the same as doing the job. Exactly. And I think, thankfully, though, the body is an amazing thing. So I do a lot of, um, like, weightlifting and stuff like that. So I, I know kind of the science and stuff. <laughs> Just don't try and plug yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, I'm trying to... So, obviously, I know the science. You have RPT training. <laughs> yeah, it's all the steroids, mate. I just pump, you know, whatever into my, into my arms, you know. <laughs> you sure you want to be admitting this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just put... I was what do you say to me? <laughs> <laughs> what do you say to me? <laughs> but, so, I obviously, I know the science and stuff behind it. And so... When with muscles, when you grow a muscle and then you stop using it for a little while, your body makes this thing called muscle memory. And so it will remember and know how heavy you can lift. And so when you go back in, if you say do it three, four, five weeks, your body will very quickly get back up to that previous level. And if you take that and transfer it back into Mark Marquez, you know, he's already, what, two races down. Give him three maybe four more races and that muscle memory will have clicked back in and he will have gained the muscle back in his arm that he needs and the muscle back in his body. So I think we could see him like on a scientific basis and not on like a, you know, his mental side, you know, cause there's a lot of other things that go into it, but on a scientific basis, he probably will be strong enough in the next two, three races. No, I'd agree. Um, I think you, the brain and the body are, two very very different things at oh, the end of yeah. the day and you could have like i could have the best body in the world like for built for motor gp to perfection you know yeah. made in the lab but if my brain doesn't know how to go fast it's wasted yeah exactly i mean i spoke to liam mcdonald a while ago who's he's racing this weekend actually in moto america in the twins cup yeah. um there's uh, an interview on the website if you want to listen, read it. It's, it's it was two parts. very interesting, actually. Yeah, it was. It was he, he opened up to us massively about, you know, mental health and riding. And basically, he spent a whole year struggling with his mental health. And the results weren't coming in. And he was, un, he was struggling left, right and centre with all these mental health issues. And he basically said, you know, there's no point. If you're, you're not mentally there, there's no point turning up to a track and trying to ride. You may as well just go home because you will not ride at the level you need to do, you know, you will not be the rider you expect to be because mentally you're destroyed. 
And we saw that with Fabio Cotteraro again last year. Yeah. yeah. So, and he turned up almost expected to lose, didn't he, by the end? Yeah, exactly. He expected to crash pretty much. And Mark Marquez is obviously struggling quite a lot mentally at the moment. And so once he can get past that, because that will be now one of the biggest things, especially out of the muscle. Once the muscle's fine and is physically okay, he needs to sort that mental side out. And he needs to see, say, sports psychiatrists and doctors and things like that. I'm sure he already is. But, you yeah, know, once he can sort that mental side out of him and get that, you know, that relentlessness, that, you know, the Mark Marcus streak back, if you know what I mean, then we could see, yeah, the demon come back. Do you know what thing I do think he has over, over a lot of other riders that mm. people, I think, pass over and don't realise? He's got Alex Marcus. Yeah, he does, yeah. And if anybody's going to be driving him, it's Alex. Yeah, exactly. He's got, obviously, a two-time world champion as a brother racing for the same manufacturer on the same grid as him, you know. Yeah, on a much better livery, I might add. But... <laughs> oh! No, I, I agree oh, with that. It is. It's gorgeous, that Castrol well, one this weekend. Yeah, oh, the Castrol livery. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about the normal one. Yeah, that absolutely. No. Yeah, fantastic livery. Sure. I mean, speaking of liveries, just to spearhead something in, if any of you watch Moto America um, and the <laughs> Superbike <laughs> oh, super class this weekend, if you have a look at the 88, the bright yellow Yamaha R1, you may see some everything Moto Racing livery stickers on it. Livery? Stickers on there as well. Um, so, oh. Yeah, so basically we've obviously linked up with... Max Flinders, who's a British rider riding in Moto America. So give him some support, you know, go on his social medias, like his pages, things like that. But we're going to get him on the yeah. podcast again in the future at some point. You know, shout out Max. Yeah, shout out Max. You know, we're going to, you know, we'll have him on the podcast, things like that. But, you know, we'll see some, you'll see some things on our socials and stuff like that. Or Max Flinders, you know, British yeah. rider in America. He's, he's worth your support. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, he's, he's tried to crack it basically out of his own pocket almost. Oh, it's so if you've got any money down the back of the sofa, crack on and give it to him. Yeah, because he's he's basically riding. Yeah, he's funding his own team, if that makes sense. So he's basically doing it all by himself, no factory support, no nothing. You know, and some of the parts I've seen how much some of the parts he needs and how much they cost, and yeah, it's massive. No, you're talking tens of thousands. You know. Go fund me for Max Flinders. <laughs> yeah, but, Get it started. You know, so we're going to try and help him out this year. And obviously, if you guys can help him out as well, that would be massively appreciated. If you want any information on how you can help us out, help him out, sorry, just message us on Instagram at everythingmotorracing or send an email to Declan, D-E-C-L-A-N, at everythingmotorracing.com. And obviously, I can talk to you. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think he's worth looking into. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, we've got to. And I'm not here, even but... just saying that as a DMR podcast person. I'm saying that like as a human. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a great guy. Great guy. And yeah, we'll have him on the podcast as well at some point. But yes. Right now, moving on to Moto Three, we had a pretty chaotic race that literally went down to the very last corner, uh, with a rider very nearly being beheaded, which obviously we'll discuss yep. in a minute. Which is yeah. Whoo! Mental, maybe not beheaded, but definitely probably killed. If it severely is. injured, it could have killed yeah, him. It, uh, yeah, it, it genuine like we're not even being dramatic. It could yeah. have like any any other way. Like you know, it's uh, like it. I won't go into too much detail on it, but uh, 
Greek discs normally beat skin. Yeah, but yeah, so obviously looking back to our predictions for her ref, so obviously... Oh, I completely murdered by you. Yeah, you destroyed it. So <laughs> Keelan went with Pedro Acosta, Jaume Messia, and Isaac Guevara on the podium. Oh, God. And Jacob, oh, one. Jacob went for Jaume Messia, Isaac Guevara, and Sergio Garcia. And I went yeah, for... My highest finisher was 11th in Guevara. <laughs> <laughs> I went for Pedro Acosta, Dennis Lonsu, and Garcia again, Sergio Garcia. And the actual results were Pedro Acosta, Romano Fanati, and Jeremy Alcoba. It's a pretty solid podium, mm. to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody had Fanati before this weekend, you're a liar. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. it was some mad racing, though, because obviously we had the Onsu. What's his name? I always get the wrong one. Dennis Onsu. Denise. That's it. Dennis Onsu, the, obviously the previous Asia, ta- Asia Talent Cup champion as well. Back in the day, I don't know why a Turkish rider was riding in Asia, but yeah, here we go. And so. Yeah, half of Turkey's in Asia, that's why. Oh, is it? Yes. Yep. Geographically, oh, Istanbul, Istanbul separate, East and West. Oh, well, there we go. I had no idea. <laughs> so yeah, I was something new today, but yeah, legit. Yeah, I always wondered that. I was like, why is that allowed? But yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Like, technically, Australia casted Oceania as well, but uh, they still have um, Aussies riding in the Asia Talent Cup as well. It's just, yeah, I think it's just a case of if you're from the other side of the world, you're allowed it. So. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay, that makes sense. And then, obviously, Gabriel Rodrigo crashed out of the lead, unfortunately. John McPhee crashed on the first lap. And, yeah, and then, obviously, Jeremy Alcoba got third place despite having two long-lap penalties. Yeah, that is... was seriously impressive. Yeah. Um, obviously, impressive. It's, it's kind of a... I'm hesitant to praise him too much because of the idiocy that caused him to have the two long-lap penalties messing about in qualifying again. Yeah. like. You know, there's only so much that they can get caught out before race direction starts swinging bananas. Like, it, it is coming. Yeah. Because it's every single weekend now. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Foggia's a multiple offender. Alcoba's a multiple offender. Yeah. Uh, last week, uh, I can't remember who it was, but one of them had two long laps because of repeat offences. Yeah. Like, it, it it's going to get to the point where someone is going to get a race ban and be prevented from starting the race. Oh, yeah. I mean, after, absolutely. After messing about in qualifying, and it'll be completely deserved. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what's his face? Adrian Fernandez got three long lap penalties. Yes, two were due to his uh, incident with Tatsuki Suzuki at Portimao, to be fair. I don't think I've ever seen a more ill-disciplined Moto3 class in a long, long time. I mean, I've, I fully agree with everything Jacob's just said there. It is only a matter of a race or two before race direction really starts swinging the hammer on some of these riders, and they would be fully justified in coming down as heavily handed as they can because some of these penalties are becoming ridiculous now, and some of them are becoming two, three, four peak offenders. They really are. I don't think two lapses, two um, long lapses, long enough for ruining someone's qualifying by slowing yes. down on the race of nine. Yeah, I don't either, because, I mean, in the day, what's his face? Jeremy Okoba seems to get a penalty every single race, no matter what he does. Mm. Like, obviously, the Portimao one, we all know why. Yeah. Uh, but he also um, got reprimanded 
in Qatar for hanging about on the racing line, and of course now he has this weekend. Like next weekend, I think is going to be even worse at Le Mans because everybody's going to be looking for that toe out the final corner onto the main straight. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, chaos at Le Mans because well, uh, I can yeah. see some last lap crashes at Le Mans, hundred percent. Yeah, I can see. I can see it pit lane starts coming at the very minimum yeah because it's, it's just going out of hand now yeah i mean in the like, alcoba roadwell talk if you're like this amazing racing to be able to do two long laps and still go on the podium like fair play yeah but you shouldn't be praising someone who had to do that because of his own actions yeah exactly it's not that's a good point it's not right at the end of the day but i mean i think do you think that um dennis onsu will be penalized for today i do but only because precedent has been set with Artigas, for example. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense, yeah. Because obviously he's Kittle's riders off at Qatar. And... I would I would be more annoyed if I was a team manager and I had Onchu if he had not gone for the move into the final corner. I would be more annoyed than him crashing, honestly. Yeah. Because yeah. at it's, least it's he tried. Parcel. If you're not going to go for a final corner move to try and take the win, pack up and go home. Yeah. Simple. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You need to go for that final corner, but then it's a case of what um what is you know I can't get think of what I'm gonna say. You know, what is sensible and what's just complete idiotic, you know? I don't think it was a stupid move. Hmm. Like it let's let's just put that out there. I think it was a move that was there to be made when he tried to make it, but by the time the move was getting made Acosta had cut off his avenue almost. Yeah. By the by the time they entered the breaking zone, the move was there. Like it, it wasn't stupid. It wasn't brainless. It was there to be made. It was just unfortunately by by the time the apex arrived, there was no way to go. And they lost the front, and then obviously caused. Yeah. And then it, it was it was a case of fold the front, hope you don't take anybody out, or go straight and potentially T bone the side somewhere. He made the correct call and dropped yeah, it. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. And then obviously and the f- took out Messiah and Darren Binder with him. Yeah, and of course Binder, uh, we found out afterwards, Binder's front brake disc actually hit his neck. Yeah. His neck. Oh, and like God, put a massive, there's a cut across his neck. It's not that deep, but obviously a hot brake disc. Yeah. It's scary because it, it was millimetres from danger. Like it, it's the, it, you, We're not even being dramatic. It is literally a case of one... Well, a couple of layers of skin from a major artery, and is very close to obviously his, obviously a centrus for I don't know the name of it. I mean, is it jugular? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, the yeah, jugular yeah. of his throat. That's what I mean. It's yeah. so That's close it. to that. It's literally about an inch. You know, if I had cut across That's the middle it. of his throat, oh my word, it's not even worth thinking. Oh. Not worth yeah, thinking yeah, about. Problem. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not mad at Denise Onchu either. I agree with Jacob. I think the move was there to be made. You know, it's racing. It's Grand Prix racing. You know the rules, and you know when you're able to go and when you're not to. Mm. And what people don't really give Moto Three enough credit for, even though we do rightly criticise it sometimes quite a lot, you know, circumstances change very very quickly in Moto Three because all the bikes are pretty even. Yeah. So in one in one nanosecond when a move's available, the next nanosecond it might not be. But that's not fair to criticize the rider who takes the chance in the nanosecond when it is available. I think he went for the move. He was justified in making the move and circumstances changed on him. I think it was unfortunate that Messiah and Bender went out with him. Yeah. But I think the move was there to be made. 
Oh, Aiden Senna said it best. If you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. I was just thinking yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. No, but like, he will be punished because he did ruin others' race and we've seen that Race Direction have already set a precedent with people ending other riders' races. Yeah. So he will be punished. And I'd say fairly so. He did ruin two other riders' race potential podiums. Yeah. But at the same time, you can understand why the move was made. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't think it was brainless. I don't think it was out of control. I don't think it was anything other than an unfortunate set of circumstances. Maybe a bit better racecraft from Onchu would have prevented it. But, you know, he, he, like, he's not a veteran of the class. You know what I mean? He's, he's still learning. He's still only 17. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's there's a lot to be learned. I mean... Pedro Costa has basically come in now and set the president of riders coming into the class now of this is what you yes. can achieve. Um, this is the level now, <laughs> you know, meet my level. And the thing is now teams will be looking now for the next Pedro Acosta. You know, they won't be looking for, oh, the riders that n- not this year, but next year they can do well as it'll be the, they want the next rookie, you know, cause now Pedro Costa will be on news across the world. Oh yeah, it'll be amazing for their sponsors. Yeah, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I genuinely would like to cut Pedro Costa in half and see how many rings are in him because I don't believe he's six. <laughs> he races like a thirty-year-old. Oh my Ooh. word! Yeah, no, he's smart. He's unbelievably yeah, he races smart. Races like a seasoned veteran. Yeah, it's mad. Like it's he. He genuinely does have the whole package. Yeah, I think I still stand by my prediction that Guevara is better than him, mm, but it's not by his at the start of the season no but i mean i honestly it's a testament to the academies that they've got now these riders are now coming up and they've obviously we know riders race since they were three but now pedro acosta and other riders have basically been in these academies since they were three they've been trained they've been obviously given diets they need since they were very young and basically now bred into a motorcycle racer not just oh it's a hobby and oh actually i'm fast at this i could do it it's you are fast. You are now a motorcycle racer from the age of four or five. And that's it then. There's an academy that brings them all the way through to the World Championship now. Yeah, like Kuna de Campiones, yeah. Estrella Galicia. They do it all. Yeah. On low race school. And Aspar yeah. team as well. Mm. Yeah, literally yeah. from Moto4, you can get picked up and be taken with an entire route to the MotoGP well, World Championship. It's not even that. It's further down. Like Aspar team have... Championship in the 85cc class, the 85gp CEV championship. Yeah, yeah. It goes way so, down, you know? Yep. And that's why Spaniards make it. It's nothing to do with the Spanish Mafia and Dora. Yeah. It's because the there. Yeah. You yeah, want to see why. Spanish motorcycle racing's kind of adopted like the football mentality mm. when it comes to academies and stuff within local communities. And like you guys said, and you're absolutely right. These kids are being bred from their three, four, five years old into being Grand Prix motorcycle racers. So they're being developed at such a rapid rate that by the time they get to even the rookies cup, they're of such a high standard that there's just so there's just such a rich pool of talent to choose from now. And it's really incredible to see. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm not being funny. What where would you rather be if you were a kid right now? Look at Casey O'Gorman, for example. He's a very good example. He was racing in the Moto5 Championship in Britain. Yeah. Gets him absolutely nowhere. 
So they decide to up sticks, move to Spain, and get him with the Cunha de Campeones team. And he's showing really strongly already in the European Town Cup. And there's no way he would have got that if he didn't move for the Spanish infrastructure. Exactly. No way. Oh, yeah. It's the infrastructure all the way up. You know, the British championships do not have what the Spanish ones do. And as a British person who supports British riders, it's not right. <laughs> no, it's not. Like, there's such a talent pool and you wonder how many have been missed. Yeah, because a lot of riders, their aspiration, and it's not a bad thing, I don't want to disrespect it, but their aspiration is BSB, which again is a great, it's a very high level. But why shoot for BSB when you can it, shoot for better Because you're raised where that's the peak. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. If you're in, if you stay in Britain, that's the pinnacle. I mean, yes. Like, there's no route to MotoGP. Is there, say, a glass ceiling for, say, British riders? You know, like Rory Skinner, what happened with him? Or is there. Well, no, what you have to do is target what's attainable. Yeah. Like, even, even like for 99.9% of people, even BSB is out of reach. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the actual top BSB class. So, MotoGP, you've got even less chance unless you go to Spain. Um, I think it's criminal but nobody wants to support MotoGP in Britain because nobody cares quite simply I think he's right yeah like nobody nobody cares enough to sink their own money into getting academies out there because there's no interest whereas in Spain you go out there you do well you've got sponsors lined up around the corner to give you their pesos it's just it's, it's, it's not right then it's but that's how it is, and that's how it will remain, because nobody in Britain cares because it's all about superbikes. Yeah, unfortunately so. Yeah, I agree. Um, and a few weeks ago, I remember we actually discussed this at length, and my argument still remains the same as it was then. The problem for British and Irish riders as well, obviously I'm Irish, so I'll include Irish riders in this too, the problem is we just don't have the infrastructure to support any interest in Grand Prix motorcycle racing. Even for riders over here, the pinnacle, if you're really, really into it, is, and again, these this is no disrespect because they are unbelievable championships. The pinnacle is, right, I'm a very good young rider. I'm going to aspire to British Superbike or I'm going to aspire to World Superbike. There's no yep. infrastructure to support the interest in MotoGP and going to obviously what I would consider to be the elite of the elite. And that's just, I think it's as much a geographical issue as it is an interest one. If you're in Central Europe and somewhere like Spain or Italy, where the hub of Grand Prix motorcycle racing is, like we've just said, you've got the academies that mold you from your no age. And by the time you're a teenager, you're of a world championship standard. The problem is in this part of the world, we just don't have that. Yeah, because literally the path, like years ago, the path was... One two five Britain six hundreds British superbikes world superbikes yes and that's it you you take exactly. your peak very rare you'd ever end up going to MotoGP I mean and it really makes cost, you wonder how much of a phenomenon Jake Dixon is they could to do it in this day and age to come that route is very impressive but my point is a lot of these riders now who are of MotoGP Moto three age. They grew up watching superbikes in Britain because they were watching Toeslands, the Hodgsons, the Foggins. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so now that's their aspiration. They grew up thinking, I want to be like Neil Hodgson. Yeah. When in reality, they should have been growing up thinking, I want to be like Valentino Rossi. Yeah. But like, the thing is, there's no British riders in MotoGP to aspire to be, you know. The riders are looking at, say, Jonathan Rayer and going, I want to be like Jonathan Rayer. They're not looking mm-hmm. at... But that's, 
that's been my argument for supporting yeah. rider. people say we all support the British riders. Why should I just because they were born in the same chunk of rock as me? Mm. I, like, I'm not being funny. I would support a rider because I like them. I don't care where they're from. They could be from the moon for like, <laughs> if they're a yeah. good rider. I like them. Yeah. You know what but I mean? Like, for, say, for and, like the kids, you know, the kids don't have a MotoGP class rider to then shoot for and be like, oh, yeah, I can ascertain that. I can hit that level. You know, it's just, oh. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, like, um, I, I feel like that. The lack of a British rider in GP in this day and age is not as bad a problem because now we've got such access to riders on their social media. If you're a 12, 13-year-old kid, you're fast in Britain. You can go on the social media and you can be like, oh, I, I really like the look of this guy and then support, aspire to be like him yeah. no matter where he's from True. because he, everything's so attainable through your phone. Yeah, good point, yeah. Yeah, um, a big problem that we have here, and again, I'm going to add some of my own geographical context to this. In the north of Ireland, and especially parts of the mainland UK too, because people here have grown up so much with this interest in road racing and the Isle of Man TT and stock bikes and things like that, you have kids over here who heard the stories of the likes of Joey Dunlop and growing up wanting to race like in the Tandragee 100 and things like that. Instead of yeah. having the infrastructure for looking at guys like Casey Stoner or Valentino Rossi like I did, you had guys who were looking to be, you know, the next, um, the next Dunlop or the next McGuinness or someone like yeah. that. And again, that's a problem that really needs to be fixed because there's so much talent over here that I would, this may be a bit controversial, but I think they're wasting their talent in road racing. And again, that's not a small thing because road racing takes a lot of courage to do, but there's so many of these guys that I think could really do big stuff on the world circuits. Like for example, if you want to take it back to its very beginning, Joey Dunlop in my eyes would have been a Grand Prix world champion. I think he was just that good. But the but problem you could is- do it then. Like, look at Foggy, he made the switch. But now, road racing speeds are so much higher, I don't think it translates the track. Yeah, it's one or the other. Yeah, but like, it's a problem, it's an infrastructure it, you know, thing. Joey Dunlop, because bikes were so similar back then, could well have stepped onto a 500 and been mad quick. Mm. But now, I don't think it's possible. Look at Ian Hutchinson. Hutchie's one of the quickest TT riders we've ever seen. Peter Hickman. And Hickey's probably the best at both that we've got right now. And he hovers around, what, 7th, 8th in the BSB. He's not a, a regular BSB race winner. I just, I don't think it's possible anymore. No, it's literally one or the other, pretty much. Yeah. Like, you, your no points exposure. are right, but, yeah, your points are right. And I back back in the, the 80s and 90s, it was possible. But now, yeah. you either are a road rider or you're a track rider. You need yeah. both. That's a good point, yeah, actually. That's, that's fair. I agree with that. Perfect. Right, well, moving on to Motor 2 now. <laughs> so, obviously, let's have a look. I'm just trying to find the uh, predictions. Where the hell are they? <laughs> well, I, I can tell you now, I got nothing. Yeah. I don't even know where they are. There they are. So, yeah. So, Keelan went for... Yeah, you were close. You were close. Uh, Sam Lowe's. Okay. Remy Gardner and Joe Roberts. Oh. oh. Jacob went for... He was <laughs> fairly close. <laughs> um, well, fourth, fifth, and, and floor. So, yeah, yeah. Raul Fernandez 
Adrian Fernandez and Joe Roberts. So he was eighth, Joe Roberts. Uh, Augusta was a. Uh, I think Augusta would have had a podium had he stayed Yeah, on, I think course. he would. If, if, if Granny had a beer, she'd be Grand Bollinger. So, yeah. <laughs> and then I went for Remy Gardner, Fernandez, Raul Fernandez, and Sam Lowe's. So I got Sam Lowe's right, you know, and I think that was probably one of Sam Lowe's best races of his career, to be honest. Yeah. He rode a fantastic mm-hmm. race. And Fabio DG Antonio finally wins a two race after crashing out of basically. Yeah, it's uh, it's work time. Yeah, after the death of obviously um, Balso Grassini, you know, it's it's pretty much perfect timing, really. Yeah, but aside from that, like obviously that's really good. Like obviously, I'd prefer that we didn't have the have the tribute to Fausto, but yeah, the point is that we all know now Fabio has a contract to move up to MotoGP with with Grassini in twenty twenty two, regardless. Yeah. Now being able to go up a Moto two race winner is going to do wonders for his confidence. Hundred absolutely. You know, he knows he's got it. And the thing is, now he's won one, it'll barrel roll. And he'll win two, mm. he'll win three, he'll win four. You know, he could now... And one point I did want to make about Moto2, though. Why are we not raving about Ayogura? Yeah, I, I was going to get to him, to be fair. <laughs> you know, he's doing amazing. But because... Yeah, but, like, we, we never talk about him, like, aside from the odd comment here and there. And he's, he's smashing it. Oh, yeah. Well, he was the... He was one of the best Moto3 riders last year. He was by far the most consistent. It's because of Raul Fernandez, you know, he's coming in and winning races. So it's like Acosta in Moto3, you know, they're picking the fastest rookie and not looking at the second fastest rookie. Yeah, but Agura, we all, uh, he flew under the radar in pre-season testing. He was barely anyway. Yeah. Come Qatar, boom, something happens. Like, I, I don't know what he's found, but... He was dicing with, you know, dicing with VAH, dicing with Joe Roberts, dicing with Aaron Carnett. That is a high level. Oh, yeah. I mean, he beat Joe Roberts today. He beat Aaron Carnett. He yeah. beat Jorge Navarro. He beat a lot of yeah. riders, you know, but Lorenzo Baldessari is a race winner. Yeah. I mean, it's not hard to beat Baldessari these days, but. <laughs> uh, <laughs> shout out to my men, Balder and Manzo, 13th and 14th. Shocking. <laughs> Points in the bag. I love it. Shocking. But, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually funny you mention those three though, because in every Moto Two race this season, that's going to be a very interesting section of the grid to watch every Sunday. Because Ayogura, as you said, he's put himself into that mix around fifth and sixth now with Roberts and Canada and Vierge, and it's a very entertaining part of the race to actually watch. I think they are now tiers in Moto Two. Yeah, like you've yes. got the top five. You've got 6th, 7th, 8th, 10th. Then you've got 11th down. And and I think riders are consistently in their brackets at the moment. Like, short of a, a one mad result here and there. I think they're tears. And, like, I, I I like Joe Roberts. I like Aaron Carnett a lot. But I don't believe they are at the top tier at the moment. The oh, they're not in the top five yet. No, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think, uh, I think they're mid-tier at the moment. Mid to front. Because mm. obviously our top five finishers, yeah. Karanik got podium at mm. uh, Portimao as well, you know. Mm. Like they're not... Robert's got a podium. Yeah. No, he had fourth at Portimao, didn't he? Yeah, but he had obviously Bono last year. Oh, yeah, I mean this year, but yeah, yeah. yeah um... No, I, I did mean this year too. I knew, he'd, I knew he was somewhere around third, but you're right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he got duffed up by Remy at Portimao, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, that's right. 
But uh, I I don't think being in the second tier is anything to be sniffed at. They're still a very, very high level. And they scope to move up into the top tier of riders. Mercy is always an interesting one because you either get, it's one or the other, you either get a great race or a naff race. And this one, <laughs> yeah, I'd actually... say it was either. It was, yeah. I'd say it was very much, uh, it, was in, it was the same as every Moto 2 race. Like every Moto 2 race for me always has something worth watching. Yes, it might not be completely, <laughs> it might not be mental like Moto 3 or, and like super close like Moto GP, but there's always something going on that's really intriguing in Moto 2. Yeah, I think, yeah. Like people always say I'm mental and I say it's my favorite class, but I, there's always so much to look at in Moto 2 because there's always so many points of interest that you might not get in the other classes. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting class to watch and you follow these riders' developments and things like that, but. I don't know, I just find it really boring. <laughs> yeah, I, I should say, say it's but... the least exciting racing of the three. Yeah, you got the highs of Moto in... 3 and then the excitement of Moto GP and then you got Moto 2. Yeah, I think it's a. Uh, I like I like Moto 2 because it's very much a case of it's a rider class, not a bike class. Yeah, oh, it's funny. Yeah, the that's a good and point. That's what intrigues me a lot about it is if you were at the top there, it's not because you've got a factory bike, it's because you are good. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You know, you see riders who are not as good bikes winning races. You know, Grassini haven't been anywhere since Lowe's since Javier Simeon took the win for them. Then you get a good rider like Digier on it, and bang, win, race win. You know, so it is about like again. The it's the same as riders. You've got tiers in Moto Two of classic, like of teams. You've got like the top tier of Mark Media Sky, and then you've got like lower tier. Of like Ital Trans, Ital Trans. What are you on about? They literally won the race last, the championship last year. Yeah, yeah, no, but I mean, like in terms of resources, <laughs> Red Bull and KTM are definitely top tier too. Yeah, yeah, yes. like in terms of resources and infrastructure. I mean, not results, right? And then of course you've got like the lower tiers of like NTS, MB Augusta, who don't have the resources. Yeah, which is fair. But uh, to me, it's more, it's not NTS and MV, obviously, it's forward racing and RW racing. And um, just to save ourselves as a lawsuit from MV uh, Augusta. <laughs> but, well, yeah. technically, they are the chassis manufacturers. It ain't wrong. No, you're, yeah, you're right there. <laughs> but yeah, it was <laughs> tough for Augusto Fernandez because he's finally shown some form. You know, he's batting for the podium today and then he crashes out. I said in the prediction. That we would see the real Augusto Fernandez. Yeah, yeah, you did, and we did for a bit until he crashed after three laps. Yeah, but again, one you might argue that is the real Augusto Fernandez. I hope not, because he's so. stupidly quick. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, we've come to Europe tracks that aren't his. Like obviously, as they said about it last week, I won't go into too much, but um, he doesn't like Qatar. No, Portimao was a bit iffy because he came into it not quite right. So now we go to a place where he's ridden fully fit. And suddenly he's at the front again, and yeah. that will continue. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. That is true, actually. Yeah. But yeah, and obviously we saw Cameron Bobier crash out of P eleven today, which is a big shame for the American because he was looking on the last strong. lap. Yeah, that's that it, was tough. It, yeah, I wanted to put that to you because I knew you'd mention him. If you ran a team right now, you could pick one American out of Roberts and Bobier. Who do you take? Roberts, because he's younger. Roberts. I got Bobier. Well, he's got the experience, but you know, if you're looking, yeah, that's exactly why. If you're looking for like, Roberts' Grand Prix experience, 
I would go Bobia because I believe Bobia actually has more talent than Joe. Not by much, and both are mad talented riders. But I think in in terms of potential level, I think Bobia could be up there slightly higher than Joe. Okay. Both on MotoGP level. Yeah. Jacob out here with the controversial opinions once again. <laughs> As always. I yeah. don't even think that's that controversial, honestly. Yeah, it'd be interesting that to see. That might be one of the more mild things I've predicted. Yeah, might be interesting to hear what people say about it, you know. Joe, if you're watching, I apologise. <laughs> Doubt it again. But... <laughs> both are MotoGP level. Yeah. I just think Bobia is slightly better. Well, can be slightly better. Yeah. It's not right now, but can be. I'd actually love to see what they both do on the big bike. Yeah, I'd be interested yeah. to see how they could develop and obviously ride the bike. The MotoGP yeah. bike, that is. Yeah, because I, I do wonder how Bobia would take to a MotoGP bike after so long in an R1. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, was... Just out of curiosity, real quick, which one of those guys is older than the other? Is it a big age gap? Oh, Cam. Yeah, Cam's 28. Yeah, he's... Oh. And Robert's is like 20. Three? Yeah, he's quite young, Roberts, yeah. But yeah. 22, maybe? It was nice to see Marco Bezzecchi back on the box as well, finally, as well. Because he's, yeah. he's been close, but he's struggled in the last few races, and now finally he's back in back on the podium. Yeah, this is the Bears we know, isn't it? Yeah, Bears we know and love. Bears <laughs> hmm. is a well, some of us love. Sorry? Looking at you. You what? So like some of you love bears more than others. I'm looking at you, Keelan. <laughs> you mean like... Hey, I said he should be given the Aprilia factory ride. What are you on about? Yep. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm looking at you. You love him more than me. <laughs> oh, fair enough. So you, <laughs> so you can you can have this one. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, Bez is a class rider. We all know how good he is. And to be back in the podium, it, again, Marco Buzaki follows the pattern of a lot of riders in all three classes. He's back on the tracks that we all know and that he's ridden on a few times. Yeah. And this is where I think you'll start to see him climb back up the Moto2 leaderboard again. I think he rode very, very well today. I think he rode very maturely. And I think he got an excellent podium. Yeah, he did really well <laughs> yeah. today. Because uh, Bez is, for me, Bez has not quite been where he should be at this point. Mm. He's been, we, we know he's a race winning rider. Yeah, we do. We know how good he is. And the fact that he's been slightly off podiums, like we, granted, we've only had three races in a weird season already, but you'd still expect him to be a bit higher than where he is right now. You'd hope for it, at least, you know. I think this is where he starts climbing. Yeah, I think this is... I think a lot of riders are going to be the same, though, so that it may negate. Yeah, I think this is a turning point for Bez, personally, but, you know, we will have to wait and see, I guess. <laughs> You know, if if yep, he wants some, if he wants some a GPC, he's gonna have to work for it. He's not gonna have it handed to him. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? He knows there's gonna be a seat coming up. Yeah, and he needs. To and let's be it. completely honest: if Rossi loses his Patronus seat and decides he wants to carry on, and Bez isn't ready, he's just gonna jump on that seat for a season. Yeah. Exactly. So there's no guarantees. Bez has to prove it. Yeah, he does. Hundred percent. Bez has to prove that he's got what it takes to make it a GP. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think he does. Yeah, don't get me wrong, but like knowing it and doing it are two different things. Absolutely. Yeah, he, what Bez has to do now is he has to kick on, especially this season, and he has to start converting some of his podiums into wins in order to prove that he's worthy of a seat in the big class at the big table. Yeah, 
Exactly. And speaking of the big class, moving on to the big class, it was a very interesting day of racing today. We saw many riders impress, some riders fall down the grid, some riders crash because, you know, we've come to be accustomed to them crashing. Looking at you, Alex Rins. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been. That was the most innocuous crash I've ever seen. Yes, like, it's, it's like he just got tired and decided to have a light up. He's like, oh, you know, screw this. I'm going home. Like, yeah. I don't like this wing on the front of my Suzuki. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to ride with one wing today. Let's go. Yeah. Do you know way. what the the worst part is, though? What? If you go into the results, he was only three tets off of Sava. Oh. Oh, yeah, what? look at that. Yeah, I'm looking at it now, yeah. Flipping, After a crash, he was only three tenths off of Salvadori. That's embarrassing, that, isn't it? <laughs> oh Lord! I'm I've I believe in Salvadori, but it is starting to get less and less with each race. Yeah, and then you got Tito Rabat, who was obviously 18th, who was miles off. Uh, did you expect any any more or less though? Really? Uh, no. <laughs> he, he was just he was literally there to chuck a number on a bike who's ridden the Ducati before who ain't gonna wreck it. Yeah, pretty much because Piro Piro already was dead. dead. Piro was that's, that's not disrespect to Tito. No. But he's he wasn't there to win, you know. I mean, he was there to fill the seat and yeah. get a bit of race practice in before the superbike season starts. Yeah, because obviously Tito, no, no, not Tito. Piero was testing at Mugello, so he couldn't. So mm. obviously they just whacked. What's his face? Tito about on it, and he proved did why he, he lost story? his ride. Yeah, did you hear the story of when uh, Chabati rang him? No, no. How the Chabati rang him. He was out motocrossing, so he missed it. <laughs> when he ran Chabati back, Chabati said, oh, sorry, the ride's gone now. What? And Tito was like, what are you on about? He's like, oh, we're going to offer you the Pramat ride for the weekend. And he's like, oh. <laughs> and then Chabati's like, just mess it. It's yours if you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I like that. <laughs> heck. But yeah, it was a very good race, obviously. Looking to the front, obviously, finally, Jack Miller has taken that, that Ducati win with a Ducati 1-2. A dry win. Yeah, a dry win at the track. Obviously, the last Ducati winner at Jerez was Loris Caparossi in 2006. Yep. And then... Yep, Loris Caparossi. Yeah, and then the last Ducati 1-2 was in Bruneau 2018. So, I think it was Bruneau. Was it Bruneau? I'm pretty sure it was Bruneau. I I mean, I wouldn't disagree without checking, but... Yeah, I haven't checked that, so if it is wrong, shut up. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) it sounds sounds right so we're gonna we're gonna roll with it if it's not right then i I literally don't care (laughs) our predictions were way out yeah yeah they're way off yeah so our predictions let's have a look so i know i had fabio yeah we all had fabio out of nine riders i got one which was pego did you yep that was it you didn't even put (laughs) pego i did no you didn't did i not no you didn't (laughs) Ah, here we are. So you, so Keelan went with Fabio Cotteraro, Bagnaya, and Mir. Jacob went with Brad Binder and was confident that Brad Binder would win. (laughs) Fabio Cotteraro. I didn't say win, I said podium. You said, uh, no, no, you did say podium, you did say me. Fabio Cotteraro and Franco Morbidelli. I went Frankie, didn't I? I knew I had one podium. Yeah. I didn't know who it was. And then I went with Fabio Cotteraro. Alex Rins and Morbidelli. So, obviously, touching on Franco, not Franco, Fabio Cotteraro, he obviously was leading the race. It was his to lose, and he did exactly that and lost the race win. 
but well, it, he quite literally saw a race wind slip through his fingers. Yeah, didn't literally. Yeah, because yeah. he basically suffered with arm pump. You know, he's had an mm. operation for arm pump back in twenty nineteen, and it's come back to bite him again. You know, you saw him at Portimao holding his arm, and he's obviously taping it up. And then you saw him in Qatar doing the same, and then it's he was leading the race, and then after ten laps, he basically said that it it stopped. You know, his arm stopped working as well as it should, and he yeah. he lost the strength. You know, he couldn't accelerate as well as he could. He couldn't break as well as he normally could, and he just yeah, you just you watched him tumble. It. Yeah, yeah, you could see it. I I thought he had a tire problem. It was that pronounced. Yeah, and he still managed to beat Valentino Rossi. I used to race a KTM one two five in motocross, yeah. and I used to get arm pump. I can't imagine how horrible arm pump would be on a oh yeah that oh, fire breathing uh, MotoGP bike. Oh yeah, it'd be horrific. It really Dude, would. Dude, arm pump is agony. I've never had it. Yeah, so I, I, <laughs> and there's no real fix, as it were. Like they can do the operation to ex- extend the sleeve almost. Yeah, but if it continues happening, there's there's not a lot you can do. It's this could be a real issue for Fabio because yeah. there's no quick fix. You just get one of those suction cups that all these flipping Moto America riders are uh, promoting on their Instagrams and not definitely not being paid to promote. <laughs> Head us up. But, uh, <laughs> I think uh, unless Fabio is sorted, his season's going to continue to go downhill. And it's not. such a shame because now he's finally sorted his bulb out. Yeah. And something else comes along, you wonder if he's cursed. It's like a bad motorbike, you know, you fix one thing and someone else breaks, and you're like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, I feel obviously... horrible, man, for Frank or for Fabio. Yeah. You know, he's got it all together. Like you said, it was literally his race to lose. It looked like he was cruising, and then it just fell apart for him. I mean, it. I just feel terrible for him because there's nothing you can do in that situation. Yeah, you just yeah. have to. You just have to keep on the bike and pray you can make it to the end. Yeah, it's not like a tire, uh, almost where you can sort of nurse a tire. Yeah, yeah. you can change your style to f- like nurse it to the end. Yeah, but you you cannot do anything because your arm locks. Yeah, uh, like anybody who's who's listening who's had arm pump will know exactly what I'm talking about, but. Like you, you can't move it your arm in one direction or the other. It just it locks in place. And of course, when that's your throttle arm, that also means you can't grab the front brake because your arm again is locked onto the bars. Mm. Yeah, it's just it. It's a. It is the single worst thing to afflict a motorbike rider. Like at any level, any discipline, anywhere, mm. you get arm pump, you ain't winning. The problem for Fabio as well was, as we know with. Her- a lot of Hereth's heaviest braking zones are right-hand turns as well. So to have mm. to shift your body weight onto that locked arm must have been unimaginably I painful. I cannot imagine how horrible it was breaking down into turn six. Oh, God above. It must have been the... Even turn one's braking zone is heavy. Yeah, but dry sack is downhill off camber. Imagine that with an arm that doesn't work. Oh, that must God. Be- Torture. Oh yeah, it would have been horrific. But the on the plus side for Yam, at least Morbidelli came good. Yeah, and finally, I mean, he wasn't too happy about it. You could see him scathing in his interviews. But, you know, like he, I, I, in, I just seen a uh, quote from him that says they found a magic, magic fix for the bike in terms of grip over this morning in warm up. Oh right, and. uh then the race didn't have as much grip as they imagined, <laughs> but because of this magic setting, yeah. he was able to manage it. 
Yeah, because he, he kind of looked exhausted at the end of the race because obviously he'd been pushing so hard on the Yamaha. But he also just looked really angry still at the fact that he's still riding a 2019 bike. Morbidelli's like a one-man army against Yamaha at this point. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's literally just riding out pure rage and vengeance to prove a point. Yeah. Well, the, the problem is, what has he got to lose? Yeah. What's, what are Yamaha going to do? Give him a 2019? Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be like, what are you going to do? Sack me. You know, he's going to have yeah, a ride elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Which he's already said, you know, he'd be happy to ride for Rossi's team kind of thing. And yeah, well, of course he would. Yeah. The current machine. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Get Any other team. team would snap Franco up in a heartbeat. Like imagine, no, it's, it's not going to work out this way, but imagine VR46 gets Suzuki's. Yeah. And then Patronus decide, okay, the Yamaha tell Patronus, right, I don't want this guy who's constantly slitting old bikes. Get him out. Suddenly, Frankie jumps on a current Suzuki, wins. Yeah, that would be... Just totally... Oh. Weird thing that could it's happen like if, if if the R46 wouldn't get in Aprilia's, that's totally a thing that could happen. Morbidelli would do some damage on the Suzuki. That bike is built for his style, yeah. it's almost tailored to him. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and um, speaking of arm pump as well, I did want to mention, um, I've been told that Miller and Alicia Spargaro won't actually be testing tomorrow because they both need arm pump surgery again. Miller only just had it. So yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how true that is, to be honest. But By the way, shout out to Alicia Spargo, who's sixth yeah. again. Yeah, fantastic. Not Fabio, sorry, not Miller. Fabio. I was going to say, dad. what the hell are you on about? <laughs> Fabio Corderaro and Alicia as well. Yeah. Uh, apparently, they need it in the next three, four days. So. Well, I don't know, because Alicia's literally posted a thing about an hour ago saying that he would... Oh, so it's in doubt, yeah. If Alicia's getting on, probably would explain why he couldn't fight back. Yeah, it would do, yeah. But, like, P6 is still very solid. Obviously, again, he's matched that best result by Aprilia. Yeah, he's he's a real class act. I don't understand how people can have doubts about him. No, no, I don't either. Yeah, he's solid. And then, obviously, the Kagami in fourth. I bet he's getting sick of finishing fourth place. You could see how mad he was in the garage. Yeah, you could, yeah. Like, I, I think if there had been, like, a punch bag in front of him, it would have been on the floor. And he would have been on top of it, just pounding it. Yeah, because he, yeah. he was so close. Again, he'll, he'll get it. 100% he'll get it, but it's just when. At this point, would you be thinking, when's he coming? Because it took him forever in Moto2 as well. Yeah, it did, yeah. But then he got it and then couldn't get off of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah exactly right. And I'm just wondering if that's going to be the same, because obviously... It is still getting a MotoGP podium is a very very difficult thing to do. Yeah. So oh yeah. It's uh, I I do wonder when it's coming. I um, I can't see it coming at Le Mans. No, I can't either. Not Mugello. Maybe Mugello. I yeah. would say, I would say his best chance is probably going to be the flyaways. Yeah, get him at Japan, please. <laughs> that would be nice, wouldn't it? That'd be the so Kenny good. Podium. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> amazing. Mercedes win. Oh yeah. <laughs> But Honda would literally implode. Can you imagine? Then implode. <laughs> Honda winning at Honda's track with a Japanese rider. That oh. would be like the trifecta. Oh, yeah. That'd be... That would be like Ducati winning at Mugello with an Italian rider, which they did. Chuchi. Yeah. 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 It would be. Yeah. But I think Honda are very much uh, the 
the team is more than the rider. Yeah. 100%. So from the team, the, the bike as a whole, to get a podium on their track. But then to do it in the hands of a Japanese rider, a full home thing, that's the dream for them. Mm, absolutely, I agree. And Packer's got as much chance as anyone. I, I can't see, short of Ayagura, can you see any Japanese riders being able to come through in the next three to four years? Because I can't. Matsuyama, maybe? Yamanaka? Yeah, I don't think either of those are going to reach MotoGP in the next couple of years, though, are they? Like, mm. Matsuyama probably will reach MotoGP, but not for a while. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And obviously, looking down the order, obviously, you're on me, a solid race in fifth, but, you know, Valentino... the radar again. Yeah. But then, obviously, you go right down. Valentino Rossi out of the points again. That's 10 races now without a top 10 finish. Yep, I believe, and I truly do believe, this is the final nail yeah. in the coffin. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm our resident VR46 stan. I kind of own it at this point, but I I have to agree with Jacob, and I take no joy whatsoever in saying this because he's he is kind of my hero in a way. But I I don't see how this gets any better for Rossi. You know, I I think I was saying earlier before we came on. You know, every weekend there's this buildup of optimism and hope, like we're going to crack top 10 or there's going to be a charge towards fifth or sixth. And it just never comes. And, you know, I know Rossi said Hareth would be the decider for him and whether he's good enough to keep going or not. And if we're going off of today's race, P17, then we kind of all know what the answer is, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, Hareth is the key to a good MotoGP season. You do well at Hareth. You are set. Yeah. Yeah. That's why this top, I don't think this top six or seven, barring Brad Binder, is actually out of place at all. No, I think I would it's agree pretty with solid, that. to be fair. Obviously, bar Mark like Marquez Mark, being higher. Yeah. 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 But like a fit Mark, yeah. you know, would not be. No. But yeah, I, I think mean, Marco's in his true position. I think Maverick's in his true position. So. Yeah. And on that note, uh, this is time to end the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed. Uh, make sure to listen to this on wherever you listen to it. Why would I say that? Because you obviously listened to it and you got to the end. But if, if you're on YouTube, uh, you can tell I am literally so tired. It's been like two hours. I was tired at the start. Right, Let's give you another shot of that. Let's give you another shot of that. <laughs> yeah, right. And on that note, it's time to end the podcast. It is... I can't even get off. Do you want me to take over? No way. (laughs) (laughs) Right, last chance. Uh, Tell you what, champion, give you one more goal, guys. And on that note, it's time to end the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed. Make sure to subscribe to us if you are listening on YouTube. Let us know what you think about us and our stupidity. Um, Just remember as well that all jokes about riders are... You know, they are literally jokes. We do respect these riders. You know, at the end of the day, they do put their lives on the line for our entertainment and their careers at the end of the day. And so there is a lot of respect there, but it is just a joke. We will be back next week with more rubbish and Limon's predictions. And we hope to see you next time. Cheers, guys. Bye, everybody. Ciao.